Hey everyone, welcome back to SEL Convergence. On today's episode, Tom has a new guest in the studio. This person is an author and is making great strides to include SEL in a way that is approachable for children and even adults. This is episode 37. Mike, thanks so much for that wonderful introduction, as you always do. To our listeners tonight, I'm so thrilled to have Lisa Graham with us. Uh, Lisa is a children's book author, with along with many other things, but I've had the privilege of reading three of Lisa's books. They are visually beautiful. The messages are outstanding. And for, for us in our world here, Lisa, almost all of our listeners are educators and almost all of our listeners are deeply immersed in social emotional learning. And your books, the ones that I've had the privilege to read, for me offered some exquisite social and emotional learning uh, lessons. So as we dig into that, the idea of feelings, feelings and emotions, which are pretty significant for everyone right now, uh, still moving out of the pandemic, uh, why, why, are, why is it important for you as an author, as a mom, as a human being, to help our children express their feelings and emotions? Why is that so important? First of all, thank you for having me on and thanking, thank you for the beautiful introduction. Um, first and foremost, I'm a mom, Tom, and I've raised three children, uh, 25, 23, and in a couple of weeks turning 21. <laughs> And, um, you know, I've had the privilege of raising three children and I've, I've seen the struggles, I've seen the challenges, I've seen the triumphs. And especially in the last five years, uh, my kids would come home and they would tell me about the challenges that their friends were having. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, really, it really struck a chord with me that these kids have so much going on. And Growing up today, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, agree or not, is so different than when you and I grew up. Mm-hmm. And the stresses that we have and the expectations that we have and just what, just what our children have access to. Mm. And it's just a different world. So I think, gosh, it's such an open-ended and loaded question. Why is it important? I, it's just we need, I think the kids are taught to, to keep a lot of things inside because of what they feel we expect from them. Mm. Um, and, and I know everybody's situation is different, but I can only speak from what I've seen. I've just seen a lot of kids withdraw yeah. and keep a lot of stuff inside because they want to please mom or dad, or they want to please their coach, or they want to, you know, what have you. And so the kids, um, they, they withdraw and they keep things in and it's no secret you know, when you watch the news or when you talk to your own kids and when you look at the, the schools and the statistics that our young people are struggling right now mm-hmm. and they need an outlet. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for me, uh, one day I just had to sit myself down and say, what, what can I do? What can, what can I contribute to this? Um, you know, I went to school for journalism and English. I went, I was a Rutgers grad. And I said, well, you know, I can write. But then I said, you know, Lisa, you don't, you don't have a master's in social work. You're not a counselor. You don't have a degree in special education. But I always kept going back to, but you're a mom. 
and you raised three kids. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't give parents enough credit as to, as to what you, you learn from your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I said, well, maybe I can write kids and maybe we can start at the very beginning and maybe I can write so that parents can have a tool to talk to their kids, you know, to just share a story about something that, that happened to a character that maybe the child can relate to. Maybe that's how this can be the bridge that can help a child start to expressing their emotions. And would you agree in, in your work that a lot of times kids don't even know they're having certain emotions. They don't understand what might be going on, whether they're the one doing it or whether it's, it's happening to them. Especially if they have been consciously or unconsciously taught to keep it inside. Right. So until, until I've learned that it's okay to express, until I've seen models of expression, particularly healthy expression, I, I don't really know what to do. And I think I'm so happy that you brought us to your books and, and your, your, your thought process and how they came to be. Because for me as a boy, and yes, so I'm, I'm the, I would be for, you know, I'm the age of somebody's, I'm a grandparent. <laughs> you know, that, that's how old I am. Uh, so the world was different. And, and all the things that children have access to today, I honor how beneficial they can be. And simultaneously, I see how stress producing they can be. And so for me, books, uh, stories when I was young, my mom was a kindergarten teacher. So we always had bedtime stories. We always, we were reading all the time. And so to this day, I am a multi-book reader. I'm reading simultaneous books. And I, I mean, that's, I geek out about it. I just love to read. And, and can, can you share a little bit about some of your, your characters in your books and how they help share with our children that not only is it okay to express your emotions, that's what healthy people do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, um, I love the story about how your mom became the kindergarten teacher. Yes. And uh, maybe we can share that before you move. So she introduced you to the love of reading. Yes. And that's where it all that's where it all started. So yeah, I would love to talk about it. But we have our we have three books currently out right now as part of our Healing Hearts book series. And it's um the first book is The Adventures of Finley and Cisco. And there are three characters. There is Finley, who comes from Lake Erie. Uh, it, it all takes place in the Great Lakes, which everybody, you know, everybody thinks they're great because they live in the Great Lakes. And not only that, they think they're extra special because they go to Lake, Lake Superior Elementary oh School. And that's where Cisco, that's where Cisco goes and he grows up and he's the big man on campus. He's the kid that we hope our kids will be like. He's the one that he's brave, he's smart, he doesn't care what other people think. And everybody wants to be around him because of that. And then there's Finley who, who grew up in Lake Erie and he's got a safety pin on his back, holding in his dorsal fin. It was really important for me to have a handicapped or a special needs character in my first book, because I, I really believe that my, my heart goes out to those kids, boy, um, the resilience and the love 
that comes from a child with special needs is like none other. And I wanted them to have a book that they could read, that they could understand that, you know, they can do anything that they want. And that, you know, just because they look a little different than someone else, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. So that was really important. Um, in fact, Finley was modeled after April Holmes, who is a Paralympian gold medalist. Mm. And uh, so that was, the, that was the inspiration behind that character. And so he's got this little, he's got this little pin, little safety pin holding in his dorsal fin. So he gets teased for that. And then we have Cammie, who is a multicolored fish and she's real pretty. And she comes from the ocean. And so she's also a new kid in school. And her name, I love to talk to the kids about character development. And they always say, how'd you come up with the characters? How did you come up with the names? Well, Cammie, we get from camouflage. Because when she gets bullied, as you, as you know from reading the book, she blends in mm. and she just she wants to disappear. And I often say in assemblies, who doesn't want to when they're getting picked on or bullied? Who doesn't want to disappear sometimes? And, uh, and when she doesn't get included in a play date or when she gets excluded purposefully, um, she feels invisible, even if she isn't blending in. So the kids really, and she's a strong female. So the kids really related to that. And what I do, I have a poster um, as part of the Healing Heart book series. And and each book, we have a poster and a certificate to encourage positive behavior, right? So this particular book, if you were to read it, it says The Adventures of Finley and Sisko. What What does it teach? It teaches the importance of making good choices, accepting another's differences, and always, always, always choosing kindness. So that book is all about one bullying incident uh, where Perch and Wally come up and they get Finley by himself and they think nobody's around, but Finley and, or, uh, but Cisco and Cammie are watching from a distance and they catch him. Mm. And uh, here's the power of influence. They're caught, they know what they did, and now they're so worried, not so much about Finley, they're so worried about Cisco. Cisco isn't gonna wanna be friends with them anymore because that's who they want to latch on to. Sure. And so we introduce forgiveness in the book and, and Cisco says, well, you know, yeah, you did a really bad thing, but you know what? If you're sincere when you apologize and you promise to not do it again, I'll forgive you. Yeah. Just don't do it again. And you know what? Go forward and, and just pay it forward. Do what yeah. we're doing, you know, and teach. Let's just show how much it, it hurts. So that's the power of that book. And we've had such overwhelming responses. Um, you, I don't know if you can see it. I had a, oh yeah, you can't really see it. I had these, this wonderful school that wrote me letters and they drew pictures of the characters. And this was in Trenton and you know, Trenton, it's not a great okay. area. And okay. no, no author when it had ever gone to the school. Oh my. I met her at my first NJEA fair. It was a mom and her daughter. And they walked up to the table and uh, she said, I saw your banner. It says, you know, not to bully. And she said, you know, my daughter here, who would, she was a you know, beautiful young woman. She said, she's going to school to be a teacher and she was bullied all her life. Mm. And you would never know it by looking at her. And they said, we want to know more about your work. Will you come to our school? Nobody's ever come to our school before. And so it was wonderful. I mean, uh, so and my book had literally just been printed the day before. So I was very excited. And they sent me a book full of these, the most beautiful letters. I'll just read one as a little picture of 
the bully in the book. He says, I was, I was a bully. Now that I read this story, I changed my mind. Now I'm going to help kids that are going to have a line on their heart. Thanks for the story. So beautiful. Because we teach. Yeah. When you're unkind to somebody, you put a hurt line on their heart. Yeah. Yeah. Like engraving, you know. One of the the characters that I love, if you would talk a little bit about Randall. Yes. uh, The, Uh, uh, the, uh, the light. Yeah. Just, I, I I fell in love with that book and I fell Uh, in love with Randall. I fell in love with Randall too. So the whole, that book is all about light and everything about it from the names of the characters mean light um, and, and the characters candy and Randy, the little candles, they, they represent light. So Randall's this candle that was manufactured in Paris, the city of lights. And he had two wicks instead of one, all of his other friends were perfectly sized and had one wick while he was a little small a little bit lumpy and he had two wicks. So they swept him up from the production line and stuck him and separated him from general population and put him on a shelf in a back room in a supply Mm -hmm. closet, like we do with kids. And he has a label on him on the bottom, which says imperfect. And so he would sit in the closet and cry and think that that he was doomed and that no one would ever see his beautiful light shine. Because mm-hmm. no one had ever seen his sign. So a uh, factory worker, Lucan, which means light in Basque, he's given the job, clean out the closet. He cleans out. His teacher, jo- uh, his wife, Jome, is a teacher. Uh, that means light in Japanese. And he said, this candle's so cool. I'm going to take him home for Jome. So he takes him home and he puts him in the garage on a shelf next to this holiday candle, candy. And she's red and white striped and they become best friends. You know, the, the, the friendship theme is so strong in all of these books. You know, it's the power of one, the power of one another. All it takes is one, mm-hmm. right, to lift each other up. And so the storm comes in one night, and the thing that he was told was wrong with him is the thing that allowed more light to shine. Because mm-hmm. once the candles were brought in, because all the lights had gone out in the little French cottage, because he had two wicks, his candle, the light was amazing and magnificent. And then everyone could see, and it was that, that, that sight is symbolic for, we see you, you know, we see your value. Mm -hmm. Um, And even in the end, you know, when Candy's sitting next to him and she's the one that said, your light's going to shine, just give it time. Don't worry. And I'll be here for you all the way. And so he's sad all of a sudden after the next morning, the sun is shining. She said, why are you sad? I told you, you'd, you'd have your moment and you did. And he said, but I still have this stuck on me. And he points to the label. And she looked at it and she said, she shook her head and she started to smile. And he said, what are you, what are you, what are you smiling for? I don't get it. I don't understand. She said, Randy, it's all in how you look at it. She said, say it out loud, say it again. And he said, imperfect, perfect, imperfect. She said, that's not what I see. You know what I see? And he said, what? She said, it says, I'm perfect. She said, Randy, it says, I'm perfect. Don't you see? You're perfect. You've always been perfect. You just needed, you needed another person just to see it in you first. So what we do in the book is we take a little drip of the wax from the night before, from him being lit for the first time, right? And it forms a little apostrophe between the I and the M so that now when you look at it, it says, I'm perfect. I, I, I'm overjoyed to hear the background 
of the creation of those stories. Oh, yeah. I, so particularly since I'm a linguistic geek, I, I love hearing your research in, oh, into yeah. your names and so forth. So, so you have a chance to work with children. You have a chance to speak with children, present yeah. to children. Yeah. Uh, right now, the, the, um, the need for reading, creative arts, uh, arts of all kinds, uh, I think it is more important now than ever before. And my concern is that it may be getting pushed aside. Can you share your thoughts with, with our listeners why the creative arts is so important for our children? This is a passion of mine. And I have to say that one of my mentors was Mr. Fred Rogers. Ah. And I have all of his books and I watched all of his shows. And if you haven't seen the documentary, not so much the movie, but the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's, it's amazing. And, you know, he got it. He understood that by giving a child a piece of paper down to the color that they would choose to, to color in and to use or to pound clay, he understood that the levels, not only for, for, for humans and adults, but the levers specifically for children, the, the manner that in which each of us can communicate are different. You might have a, a child that's very you know, verbal. And, and can express themselves very clearly, but you might have another child that, that has the thoughts in their head and has the feelings and has the emotions, but just doesn't know how to relay it. And so, you know, I love when he, when they went to the pottery, to the pottery shop one day, and, he, you know, they talked about how much fun it is to just get the clay and just to mold it. And then he would say, you know, I would love it when he would sit at his piano and he would say, sometimes I'm mad, right? Do you remember? And he would yes. just, boom, boom, boom. And he would just pound the keys to say, it's okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to let it out because your feelings are your feelings. There's no right or wrong here. Mm -hmm. And I remember when he, he had, um, his mentor was Margaret McFarland when he did the show. Um, you know, um, one of the biggest child psychologists there was at the time, and she had an office and they had a library in the TV studio. And, and it was the 10, the nine steps to, to speaking Fredish. Every single sentence and line that was spoken in that show was dissected about 50 times down mm -hmm. to child appropriate. People don't know that. But if no, you Google, I, I was not aware of that. If you, if you Google how to speak Fredish, you'll be amazed. Okay. And so I remember he had a discussion with her one day. And he went to the to the owner of the pottery shop and he said, what what do you want me to do, Fred? What do you want me to, to tell the kids about the art and clay and expression? And he said, just show them loving what you do. Just show them loving, you know, making making whatever you're going to create, because um, not every kid's an academic. Not every kid is a musician. Not every kid is an athlete. Mm. I can't tell you how many. Even people like in high school, even the one that I got to, even the one that I got to, to illustrate this book, Randall, um, art was her outlet. She was told at a young age, you'll never make money as an artist. Wow. And she didn't go to college for that until she was in her thirties. Mm. And so I was so excited to be able to mentor her, to be a part of that. And now she's getting her master's in, in design up in, in Maine. And, and this book was a project for her that helped her get a partial scholarship. So 
it's just the the stories that, that come from everything is just fantastic but we can't cut the arts because you're going to cut a lifeline off for so many kids who find out who they are through these creative arts whether it's dance whether it's music um you know uh whether it's writing um something as simple as journaling writing poetry writing songs right look at our culture yeah yeah you mentioned you mentioned the documentary and i absolutely loved it i i watched it um uh, all of my children were home at the time and we all watched it together and many of us including myself had tears it was just oh, absolutely yeah. beautiful oh yeah and, and the movie that tom hanks was in was also good but the documentary oh, yeah. i would recommend it as you did to everyone um, one of the pieces in that that documentary is uh, his courageous act of respecting diversity. Mm, washing the with, feet in the pool. With Officer Clemens. Yes. And oh, I love uh, that part. so here we are in a time. Uh, and and if if you know if you don't want to answer this, we can we can just move on. Oh, I'm an open book. Go okay. Right so I, I'm greatly concerned about our nation right now uh, and, and things like social emotional learning, diversity, equity, inclusion, access, even trauma-informed care is being attacked right now. Like we shouldn't be doing that with children. And, and my sense is how can we not, you know, these are human beings. We're, you know, human teachers, human administrators, human children, learners. Uh, we have to be doing this. And of course, the arts, as you just shared, is an exquisite way of tapping in and allowing us to be healthy. Yes, absolutely. And and the, the, the next book we'll talk about, Sandy's Safe Place to Land, the artist from that, the illustrator is an art teacher in at Highland High School in Gloucester County. And when they had COVID, she had her students, her high school students, draw what they were feeling, the isolation. And the artwork that came out of that was absolutely incredible. I mean, you didn't have to say a word. I mean, the, the picture, like they said, the picture says a thousand words. And the thing that frustrates me so much is, is the, and I'll preface this by saying, when you have conversations with children about trauma, you know, it has to be with, with, you know, the, the appropriate person that knows how to deal with those types of things, mm -hmm. okay? because you can, you can have somebody tell their story to the wrong person and that can backfire dramatically. So, but there's this, there's this, um, there's this thought that by talking about certain things, it, it, it's going to either cause the next level to happen or, or it's going to make things much worse. And in reality, if it's handled appropriately and age specific, you know, with an age specific person who is trained to deal with things, talking about it, you have to bring it out. Yeah. That begins the healing process, whether it's a loss, whether it's, um, you know, abuse, um, whether it's an addiction, neglect. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you, you, you know this very well, you see this very well, you deal with children who are going through these things. Um, sweeping it under the rug and pretending it doesn't exist is, is not the answer. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the process of healing, for me, early on in my life, that actually was reading. 
in the books that I read, the books that were given to me by my kindergarten teaching mom, uh, I, I think she, although I don't remember ever talking to her about this, I think they were very purposeful on her part. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can remember some of them were about young athletes, of which I were one. Uh, and then some were uh, that other part of me, the artistic, the poetic part of me. And uh, I, I may have mentioned this to, to both you and Mike at different points in our, in our interactions. One of my favorite books then, given to me by my mom, and to this day, still one of my favorite books, is The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. And he says, uh, it's only with the heart that one can see rightly what is essential is invisible to the eye. And I, I think, could, could you share a little bit with our, our listeners the actual process of reading? Uh, reading with children, reading to children, uh, helping children understand what they read, connect that to our healing process, if you would. Well, you know, and someone else who also said what is essential is invisible, and maybe Fred Rogers got it from who you mentioned, but he would say the same thing. Um, that's what's important, that the healing process, my goodness, well, I have a saying in order to heal, you need to feel. And so the, the, the theme of each of the stories is to try and bring about certain, certain emotions that will help that healing process to begin. Um, you know, how many times, it, it just human nature, unless it's happened to you, you, you can't possibly begin to, to feel. You know what I say, you know, touch a burning candle. Well, unless you touch it and you're burnt, you're not gonna, you're not gonna understand the hurt, pain, it comes from that. Um, so I've had so many instances where children have, you know, I've read the stories to them, particularly, let's say, Randall. And they said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm that candle. I'm that kid. I'm that one that feels like I, I just want to do things right. I know I can do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I just feel like nobody believes in me, Miss Lisa. And, and that kills me. But just by having the, con and then we have just a very simple conversation back and forth about just kind of, you know, validating, you know, mm -hmm. the little boy or the little girl and just talking about, well, how do you, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel when that happens? Mm -hmm. um, not giving a right or wrong uh, or an opinion about what happened, but just saying, well, geez, that, that, you know, that, that hurts, doesn't it? And, you know, and, and what did you say to that person, you know, when they maybe told you that um, you weren't very fast or you were stupid or um, you're never going to make the team, that kind of thing. And uh, just having them stop for a moment and, and kind of verbalize it um, seems to really help. And it doesn't have to be a long exchange. These are five minute exchanges that I have with kids. Mm -hmm. And then I get these beautiful letters from the parents saying that, you know, my child came home. They really enjoyed your presentation. You know, they, you know, he told me about, you know, the, you know, the talk and it seemed to really, it seemed to really help them. And we're working on that and we're continuing that conversation. So, you know, it, it's, it's not a cookie cutter answer, but you know, the healing process, it, it, it takes time. 
but just getting the convert, you know, again, just getting a conversation started, letting them know they have a, you know, it's like the, the third book title, they have a safe place to land. You know, it's okay. Come to me. Tell me, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're going through. And let's talk about it. As you're speaking, I'm reflecting on one of your favorite Fred Rogers quotes. Can you share that with our listeners? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, he, um, look at, here it is. So yeah, if it's mentionable, it's manageable, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if we can, if we can talk about it, if we can put a voice to it, then we can deal with it. But if, but if we keep it inside and our good friend, Dr. Yvonne Kay, um, you know, who, who has written many books and is an amazing counselor um, for both children, adults, and veterans, has been over 60 years. Um, she was a child of war. And from her own personal experience, she often says, and she put it in one of her books, The Child That Never Was, children don't verbalize, they internalize. Yeah. They yes. keep it inside. And how many times have you heard, you know, people in the field say, children know more than you think think they understand even though they're not saying it they see what's going on and my big thing is children are going to have questions whether they verbalize it or not Mm -hmm. and if you don't provide a safe place for them to to ask those questions Mm -hmm. questions don't go away they're just going to go to somebody else or seek it online or and the answers that they get it might not be the answers that are true that are accurate Um, And then they're going to serve them. So, you know, that's why this is so important. So I get parents saying, well, I know I need to talk to you about my job, but I don't know how to start the conversation. And that's why I started the book series. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. tell a story. And maybe it's the old, well, it happened to a friend of mine, but not me. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, if they don't want to say, hey, I'm being bullied, mom. Or maybe they don't even understand it. They can say, well, maybe after reading The Adventures of Finley and Cisco, you can say, so what do you think about that? You know, what do you think about the characters? Is there anybody that, you, you know, you kind of like or not like? And then you kind of take their lead and then maybe start paying extra special attention to the answers that they give, you know? So uh, you are doing presentations to schools and students, correct? Uh, yeah. Well, not so much since COVID, right. um, but we do do virtual. And um, yeah, I, I mean, before COVID, we hit, I guess since the book was publicized that the first book, because the other two came after COVID, um, we did about 25 school presentations. And mm-hmm. we would come in, we would read the story, we would have a Q&A, we would talk about the, the heart lesson that when you, you know, you're unkind to someone, you put a hurt line on their heart. But when you're sincere and you apologize, then that hurt line fades and it turns back mm-hmm. into a happy, healthy heart line. And you know what I do that's really powerful? in an assembly, the teachers and the administrators will be sitting around the perimeter of the room and I'll say, kids, how do you want to be remembered? Mm. And if you think that an exchange on the playground or in the bathroom or on the bus or the lunchroom isn't going to really impact someone, I said, look at this. And then I'll say, I said, you know, teachers and, and, uh, you know, adults in the room, I said, do me a favor. Raise your hand if you remember the name of the bully that you grew up with. Boom, the hands shoot up. And I just said, right? And I said, you know, raise your hand if you were bullied. More hands go up. Mm -hmm. And then I even just say, raise the hand if maybe you were a bully. 
you know, and the hands go up. And then before you know it, almost all the hands are up. And the kids look around. I said, kids, do you realize that they went to school about 20, 30, some 40 years ago, but they remember the name. They remember. I said, how do you want to be remembered? Beautiful. You know, as the one that helped or the one that hurt, you know, and, and I try and give them visuals, which Mm -hmm. is the heart, just the crumpled heart with the line. And, you know, we, we crumple it up after the first bullying incident. And then I open it up and I show them to, I showed the paper first. It's nice and smooth and it's a pretty heart. And then we give an example of a bullying incident. Right. We crumple it up and, you know, all you hear is, a, <laughs> you know, and then I open it back up and I show it to them. I don't rip it, but I show them now it's all wrinkled. And I say, is it, what do you see? And they said, it's broken. It's broken. I said, well, not so much broken. I said, but it's definitely a changed heart, isn't mm-hmm. it? Not the same as it was five minutes ago. I said, do you see all these wrinkles? I said, those are hurt lines. Those are hurt lines. Yeah. And so, so many kids, when they were writing me the thank you letters, they said, I don't want to put a hurt line on anybody's heart anymore. Beautiful. And I thought, if that's what they can think about, that split second when they have that decision to make that choice, okay, I'm going to put a hurt line on their heart. Guess what? 20 years from now, they're going to remember me. I, I love uh, the activity with the adults around the circle of students, because with that activity, you're building a bridge. You're yeah. building a bridge between those students who are ready to speak to those adults, and and you're you're opening up that dialogue. I love that. So, how can our listeners find you? How can they find your books? How can they find you to come to their schools? Sure. So, our website is lgramauthor.com, and it's l g r a. H-A-M-B-O-O-K, author.com. And something else that we've started that we're really excited about is a nonprofit. It's Empower Kids for Literacy. Uh, Every book that we sell, a dollar goes toward our nonprofit. And the mission is to get books into the hands of children, uh, regardless of their personal or social circumstances. So We've donated books to foster homes, to school districts, maybe um, that, uh, again, like Trenton, don't have the opportunity for an author to come and visit, or they just don't have the budget for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to make my mission so small because there are a lot of kids in wealthy neighborhoods that absolutely are having yep. issues. So I kind of wanted it to be a case by case basis that if we can get funding for the books, um, my goal is just to hand out books. So one more time before we say goodnight, how do they find you, Lisa? They find us on lgramauthor.com. And just one quick thing that the last book, The Sandy Safe Place to Land, that is My Faith is Very Strong. And that is a book that I wrote in honor of my faith in that, um, you know, I believe that, um, you know, we're taking God out of so many things in the world today. Um, and uh, I, I think don't be afraid if it's if it's your belief. Don't be don't be afraid to have a conversation with your children about faith, hope, and, and love. Um, you know, there's there's more. You know, there's more to to life um, than than just what's in front of us. And um, they they need to they need to know that, or at least I feel that way. Well, I feel the same way. Thank you so much, Lisa. Mike, thanks for producing. Thank you, everyone.
Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here and keep up the great work you're doing. Oh, thanks, Lisa.